0: Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so today we're starting a brand new series. We, you know, I've titled this series, Don't Worry About a Thing. Okay? Not thing, thing. Because I wanted to keep up with the young people. So don't worry. Hunt your neighbor and say, don't worry about a thing. Amen. Don't worry about it. Man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. In fact, you know, before I even teach, if you are a young person, you know, uh, below 25, uh, 30, this is the place to be. Man, you, you know, last week I also heard the testimony of Kali. Where's Kali? She got a job. Someone, you know, connected with her. Someone from church and some young person. She's at youth. She's ministering at youth. And Kendra, uh, she gets up to sing here. She, she, she was on stage at school and she won a prize. What did she win? Uh, she was number two. She got a silver uh, medal. And she sang a song that we sang for worship. Wow. And so she comes to church, uh, gets to practice, and then go out into the world and do it and win. Amen? Amen? Not just, we sing to win. This is a winning church. I like to win. Amen. And <laughs> you know, I was talking to uh, uh, our teachers when we joined the school that our kids go to. We are talking to them. And our concern was, you know, our kids were, would go for sports things, and our kids were getting beaten left, right, and center. I talked to them. I said, "Man, what's going on? We're getting, we're losing too much." So they went and uh, recruited a new uh, director for sports, and and because all the parents were tired of losing, man, I'm telling. You. They went and recruited a. a, a, a he was an ex-Bafana Bafana uh, uh, player. So they went. They were getting serious now. He came, and in his first. You know, introduction to the school, he said, man, I'm not here to uh, uh, lose. I'm here to win. I and mean, I'm telling you, ever since that day, they turned it around. Now they win. Yeah. They win so bad. Sometimes I, I talk to the refs uh, that were beating this, this other school uh, netball, uh, beating them. 12-0, I went to the ref. The other kids started crying. I went to the ref. I said, man, just shut the game down. Just, <laughs> just before time's up, man, just shut it down. So I'm telling you, man, we are winning people. Amen? I said, amen. And the swimming, yeah, I was talking to the other parents, you know, at the gala. And I'm in it, is smoking them. She's smoking. She's, I, told, I, told, I told her, I said, ask my daughter. She says, I wonder where she gets that from. <laughs> I said, she get it from me. She got it from me. Okay? <laughs> I said, she got it from me. I'm the one totally to say man I'm, I'm coaching and stuff and man if you come to my house I'm coaching them I'm coaching now I tell them man we, we want to win and the one time I was coaching them and uh, the little one got tired she says, "Why don't you show us?" Yeah. <laughs> and I pulled out my phone and I showed them on YouTube. I said, yeah, I can show it. <laughs> this is what you should be doing Anyway <laughs> Man, I encourage young people to connect, talk to people. There's someone with some solutions, amen, somewhere in here. amen. God has put us together for a reason. Now, we're starting a brand new series, and this one is called Don't Worry About a Thing. Because worry is a problem, amen, in the world. And I'm going to share with you some interesting statistics on why we should even be talking about it at church uh you know and uh you know jesus talked about it that's one reason but just in general when you look outside these are the things that are happening around us this is where we live and i'm going to give you five uh interesting facts and then we'll get into today's teaching the first one is 43 percent of all adults suffer adverse health effects from stress and so we're talking about close to half of the adults You know, suffering from adverse effects of, you know, worry, stress, and anxiety, and all the related uh, things that come with it. And the second one is 75% to 90% of all doctors' visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. So for the most part... People just worry themselves into the doctor's consultation rooms. And they don't have anything wrong uh, uh, with them in their you know, body, in their physical makeup. Uh, but because they have been worrying so much, things start to break down and they worry themselves into the doctor's consultation rooms. And sometimes the doctors will you know, look at them and say, man, we've tried to get a prognosis for you or a diagnosis. There's nothing, we can't pick up anything. But sometimes they say, well, we can't pick up anything, but we may as well make money off of it. And so they're going to, you know, prescribe something. And usually they ask, are you on medical aid? You say, yes, well, we may as well make money off of it. And so this is connected to the third one. Interesting fact. It says stress and major depression, burnout, anxiety disorders are costing the South, Africa's, uh, South African economy an estimated $40.6 billion a year, according to Dr. Renata Schumann of the Psychiatry Management uh, Group. $40.8 billion. This ranges from, you know, people uh, uh, getting prescription things for, to sleep. Some people need prescription things to wake up and to stay awake. Uh, 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 absenteeism from work. All kinds of craziness that happen when we entertain worry, stress, and anxiety. And in monetary value, if, if the title didn't get your attention, $40.8 billion will get your attention. That people are spending to try and treat worry and stress and anxiety. And usually what they do is just, you know, uh, 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 patch up the cracks with uh, a paper, you know, whatever. And they don't really get permanent solutions. And this is why we need the Bible and what Jesus has to say for us to get permanent solutions. Number four, interesting fact, every day an estimated 21 South Africans commit suicide, and according to experts, stress could be a big contributing, a significant contributing factor. 20 times this number, attempt, which is 410, right? Attempt, but fail to take their own lives. So there's still people that attempt, 400 of them, and they fail you know the rest you know uh uh succeed and they go with the with the with the plan this uh, uh, uh point number 5 interesting fact high stress levels have, have been linked to mental illnesses such as depression anxiety panic attacks, and also can lead to substance abuse. So we're dealing with something real. We're dealing with something that is affecting people uh, where we are. Amen? And so as we uh, launch into this series, uh, you know, I want to repeat again the title. The title is Do Not Worry About a Thing. It is not, this is not what the title is. It is not a life of no problems. Because as long as you live, On this side of the world, there's going to be problems. There's going to be things thrown at you. This is why Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, In this world you shall suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer. He didn't say, but worry about it. He says, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Amen? And so we're going to be talking about worry because worry can rob you of the promises of God. Worry can literally stop the promises of God from manifesting in your lives. Jesus, you know, sharing about the parable of the sow, uh, a sower sowing seed. One of the things that he said would stop the seed from bringing forth fruit was the thorny ground. And he described the thorny ground as the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things. He says when they enter in, they choke the word. And so worry is sneaky because it makes you feel like nothing is happening. But in the spiritual realm, whenever you worry and you entertain, you know, stress and anxiety, you are literally stopping the promises of God in their tracks from coming to pass in your life. So it's a serious issue. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so what did Jesus, our Lord and Savior, uh, have to say about this? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 6 from verse 25. Matthew Chapter number 6 uh, from verse 25. If you have it, you can say, I have it. Matthew six twenty-five. do you have it? Do you got it? It says this. It says, therefore, this is Jesus speaking. It's red, right? You see that in your Bible? It's in red. It's bleeding. It's Jesus speaking. It says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Stop right there. Now, Jesus couldn't have gotten any plainer. I mean, this is so plain. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. And it's interesting that our Lord and Savior didn't say, therefore, I say unto you, it would be ideal, or it would be a good thing, or I suggest unto you not to worry about some other things. He didn't say that. He says, therefore, I say unto you. In other words, this is a direct commandment. It's a direct imperative. A divine one, but it's direct. Straight up. Do not worry about your life. Now, it doesn't get clearer than this. Man, I'm telling you. You could hire someone, pay them triple overtime to help you misunderstand this. You will still not misunderstand it. This is so clear. What did Jesus say? Do not worry about your life. Now, Jesus could have left it there, but he wanted to explain to us why we shouldn't worry. And so he says this Do not worry about your life, what you will eat uh, or what you will drink. That's the man, right? Uh, no, your body, what you wear. That's the women. Uh, is not life more than food? <laughs> and the body more than clothing now jesus is starting to reveal to us slowly why we shouldn't even worry and and he's giving us uh he's he's drawing us in giving us more revelation and he says let's think about it is not life worth more than food you worry about what you will eat Hey, is not life worth more than food? Is not your body worth more than the clothes that you're worrying about? And what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that, you know, we have to have a higher perspective on matters. You know, I remember... uh, many years ago, I think it could have been three or four, every time I traveled for ministry or for whatever, for work, you know, my kids always give me a list. When I, especially when I travel overseas, they give me a list of things to buy them. I have two little girls. The other one is ten, the other one is uh, seven. And uh, they always give me a list. And in this particular instance, you know, they gave me a list. And one of the things I had to buy was a little LOL doll. It's a little doll like this. If you have girls, you would know what I'm talking about. It's a little doll like this. That costs a lot of money. It can get you broke this little doll like this, <laughs> and I had to go over the mall, walk around the mall to try and get a little doll like this it's expensive and and, and, and so I went and I got this little doll for them, and I brought it brought it back home, and I gave them I, they were so happy, started playing with them, and I went you know upstairs to try and do something else and while I was there, I heard the younger one crying hysterically. you know I thought something had gone wrong, I thought you know maybe she fell and uh, broke a hand or something. So I came down running from where I was and, and I said, What's going on tonight? What's up? And she says, Look at my doll. And so what had happened with the doll was the head had come off the body. And so she's crying, like, you know, I mean, all hell is broken loose. She's crying, right? And so what I did is I took the little head and I popped it back onto the body and she stopped crying. And I thought about it that from my perspective, it didn't look like she should cry like that. And just sometimes, just sometimes when we worry about things, maybe from God's perspective, it's just a little doll that just lost its head. Maybe from God's perspective, you don't need all of that drama. It's just rent. God can fix that. He can take the rent and pop the head back on that body. Maybe it's just a a small ailment in your body. God will take the head and pop it back into and get you healed. Maybe you don't need all of that extra. The worry and the stress that comes with it. And so God is calling us to have a higher perspective on issues. And what is the higher perspective on issues? If it's not going to matter 300 years from today, then it shouldn't matter today. Now, that will change the way you see life. Can I get an amen? And so he says, man, your body is worth more than the clothes that you put on. Your life is worth more than the food that you're worrying about. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Man, this is strong. Jesus is saying when you look at the birds or the animal kingdom, uh, God takes care of the animal kingdom. You know, He feeds the birds. The birds will always have food to eat, worms to eat, and so on and so forth. Uh, And and he takes care of them, but he he turns it around and he says, uh, are you not of more value than these birds? In other words, between you and God, uh, God is not a father to the birds. They are just his creation. But when it comes to the born-again Christian, the born-again believer, it moves from God just being a deity out there, disconnected from life and your everyday life, God becomes a father. In fact, he put a spirit of adoption on the inside of us so that we can confidently call him father. Now, the name father connotes a relationship. It means there is a relationship between you and God. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Uh, uh, And if you look up the, the Greek word for father, it's pater, which means he's your nourisher, it means he's your protector, it means he's your provider. God is all these things. And Jesus is saying, if God feeds the animal kingdom, which he does not have a relationship with, he does not have a covenant relationship with the animal kingdom, Jesus did not die for the animal kingdom. Now, I was preaching in America and I say, Jesus didn't die for the animal kingdom. He didn't die for your dog. Your dog is not going to be in heaven. And at the end of the service, I'm standing outside greeting people. I didn't realize that people love dogs like that. I was just preaching like Jesus. And so someone came to me and said, Pastor, I'm not sure I really enjoyed the part you talked about, the dogs. <laughs> I said, but Jesus didn't die for the dogs. He died for you and I. And he brought us into relationship. Where he's our father. And we are his children. Now, which of you in here who are fathers and mothers, anyone who's given birth, would say, "Man, listen! If you if you went back home, you're driving into your uh, 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 garage as you." Uh, pulling up, you see your child sitting out uh, uh, on, on, in front of, your, of, of the door, just twiddling their thumbs, looking all sad. And then you stop the car because you have to find out what's up. And you get out of the car, which of you who are mothers and fathers would walk up there and say you know, to your child, hey, what's going on? And they say to you, hey, I'm just worried about what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. Which of you who are parents would say, oh, that really blessed me. I have a child who's responsible. In fact, most of you would go lock yourself in a room, go look yourself in the mirror and say, man, I've been doing this parenting thing wrong. Why would they think that I'm not going to provide for them for their dinner? And so every time you worry about stuff, you are saying something to God. And if God could get hurt, he can't. If he could, he would go into the room and say, Man, I haven't done this father thing right. But we know that God has done this father thing way righter than we could ever imagine. We just have the wrong perspective. Amen. And so he's saying, I'm your father. And this is the foundation for the worry free life it is to know that I have a father. Someone shout, I have a father. And is a good, good father who does not treat me based on how I do or don't do certain things. The love of God for you as a father is unconditional. And this is the foundation of the worry-free life. God is not going to provide for you based on your performance. He's going to provide for you based on your revelation of him being a father that wants to provide for you. You know, a story is shared in the book of Luke, chapter number 15. Uh, You know, Jesus shared this story with the Pharisees who didn't understand this revelation that there is a good, good father. It's commonly known as the story of the prodigal son, uh, which the translators put there, the title. Jesus, when he shared the story, he didn't give it a title. The translators, when they read the story, they thought that it was about the prodigal son, but it never was about the prodigal son. The story was about the good, good father. And so the story, for those of you who don't know, is, you know, Jesus is sharing the parable. He said there was this man who had two children, and uh, both of them sons, so they had an inheritance, you know, uh, 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 accredited to their account, but it would only come to them when the father would die. And so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious teachers of the law, who understood the law, who understood the consequences of breaking the law, and so on and so forth. And Jesus says there was a man who had two children, uh, two sons, and the younger one, You know, who's not supposed to be receiving an inheritance? Uh, Anyway, it comes into uh, the older one's name, right? And he passed it on to the younger one. The younger one, Jesus said, went to the father and said, Dad, uh, um, why don't you give me my inheritance now while you're still alive? And so Jesus is sharing this story to the Pharisees who understood the law, understood the implications of things. And essentially what the younger son was saying to the dad was, Dad, you're not dying soon enough. And so Jesus is already poking them. And then he says this. He says uh, the dead, the father in his kindness said, you know, I'm going to give you the land, the, the inheritance that belongs to you. So he gave him the wealth. And then Jesus said he took all of that wealth and he went to a far country. Now Jesus is already starting to irritate these, you know, Pharisees and the sad, you see, because they are sad, you see. And, and he's already irritating them. And then, he says he went to a far country, and when he got to that far country, he joined himself with the citizens of that land. Now, for a Jewish person to join themselves with a citizen of of a Gentile nation was unheard of. And so after he joined himself with the citizens of, of that country, at this point, if you read Josephus or other historians who wrote you know, uh, uh, commentaries about the Bible, they would say things like, while Jesus is teaching, people in the crowd would be shouting back at him, man, that's abomination! 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 And some of them will be, you know, uh, uh, pulling out literally, pulling their beard, trying to get, rip their faces and, and rip the beard out of their faces because of the, the, the intensity of what they are hearing. They can't believe their ears. <laughs> that he went and joined himself to the citizens of a, of a foreign nation. And then Jesus even goes deeper. He says, he says, not only did he join himself with the citizens of that uh, nation, he wasted all of his father's money, through not through bad investment, through riotous living. At this point, some of the people in the crowd would say, okay, we know exactly what's going to happen. Speed it up. Get to the part where he gets stoned, because we know exactly what's coming for this boy. <laughs> you say, he did what? He spent the money. Through what? Riot- blew it. That's what he did. He blew it. Literally. He could be on that shore. Yeah. <laughs> the father's money. And then, it says, after all of that money was gone, he went and got himself a job. Now, I used to go to the village and take care of my grandparents' you know, uh, uh, animals and so on and so forth. If you were first class, you'd take care of the cattle because you just let the cattle out and sit and chill out and just watch them from afar. The goats, you'd have to follow them around. That was middle class. You have to follow them around, you know, and I mean, goat goat day was a bad day. And then the pigs was the worst of the worst. And so Jesus could have said, This man got a job to look after the cattle. No, you didn't. Or the goats. No, you didn't. You got the job to look after the pigs. And in the Jewish mindset, pigs is the dirtiest of the dead. Jesus is working, the, he's working their emotions. He's trying to get them to think. Yeah. And then not only did he get a job to take care of the pigs, Jesus said this. He said, every orphan you'd feel like eating the same things that the pigs were eating. At this point, if go read the historical alternatives. They say, man, they're throwing up just listening to this story. They don't want to see this boy. And at this point, he probably hasn't shaven for months. He hasn't, you know, washed for months. And he started thinking. The boy said, man, you know, why am I living like this? Even the servants in my father's house, they live a better life than this. What got him to start thinking right? Right. It was when he started thinking about the goodness of his father, not just to to, to his sons, but even to servants. Man, when you start thinking about the goodness of God, even to the birds, it will get you to think straight. That's why Jesus said, look at the birds. Are you not of much more value than they? Man, you have to be crazy to think that God will take care of a bird and leave you out to dry. And so Jesus said this young man started thinking of a business deal for his father. He says, you know what, I'm going to go back to my father and say, Dad, you know what, I wronged you. Why don't you let me in uh, back as one of your hired servants because, you know, I messed up big time. And he's thinking about this deal to just, you know, downgrade himself from sonship. And he's thinking about, hey, this is what I'm, gonna as he's tracking back home to go there, Jesus, uh, uh, you know, poked the, the, the religious teachers of the law even more. He says, then the father saw his son approaching afar off. And he said the father took off running. Now the father has no business running towards a child who is this messed up. But Jesus is trying to show them that God's kindness has no limits. It has no boundaries. God wants to nourish you. He wants to provide and protect you. But you have to let him. He's not going to do it uh, for you while you're sitting in the uh, uh, pigsty. You have to at least get out from the pigsty and run towards him, and he's going to meet you halfway and take care of you. Can I get an amen? amen. And he says the father took off running. When he met with the child, he hugged him and he kissed him. That's what he says in English. In the Greek, he hugged him and he kissed him repeatedly. Didn't even wait for this kid to take a shower. Why? Because his love for you is unconditional. At this point, the kid probably smells like pee. And immediately he says, why don't you put purple robes on him and put a ring of authority, restored him to sonship immediately. Why? Because God's kindness for you and I has no limits. It is not based on what you do or don't do. And at this point, Jesus is revealing to them that you have a good, good father. And I'm telling you, one of the antidotes for the worry-free life, for not worrying about a thing, is to know that you have a good, good father who's not treating you based on what you do or don't do. Can I get an amen? And he says in verse 27, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Jesus gets practical with it. He says, okay, okay, let's say you decide to go ahead and worry. How many of you can get benefit out of it? You know, I used to play basketball uh, when I was in high school, and my dream was to be a little bit taller. There was a song about, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. That was my song. That was my prayer. I wished I was a little bit taller. Jesus is saying, you'll never get tall by worrying. In other words, you will never get any solution when you worry about stuff. I've never met anyone who says, you know, pastor, I was just chilling at home, worrying, and then I bumped into this great innovation. No, it never happened. You know what worry does? Worry saps you of your energy. It saps your energy. Worry drains you. I remember when I graduated uh, university and I was looking for a job. First week, couldn't find a job. Second week, couldn't find a job. Third week, I couldn't find a job. just started worrying about it. I said, man, this is three weeks. I haven't got a job. And every time I'd worry about it, it would literally drain me, just sap the energy out of me, uh, put me in a fetal position on a sofa. 36 degrees Celsius outside, I'd go find me a thick blanket just so I can sit there and just feel sorry for myself. That's what worry will do. Worry will cripple you. Jesus is saying, no one has ever gotten taller from worrying about it. Wow. Wow. So if you're going to worry, just know these things: that you have a good good father who doesn't want you to worry, that you're not going to get any solution from it, and that, hey, if, as long as the, listen, as long as the birds are eating, all I have to do is to check, are the birds still eating? If they are, then God is going to take care of me. Whenever you're tempted to worry, just go outside and check, are the birds still eating? Do, are there any, if the birds start looking anxious and worried, then maybe you can go ahead and worry about it. If you go outside and the birds are still singing, they're still eating, guess what? If God is taking care of them, he will take care of me. Can I get an amen? Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? And If you were to count the number of times Jesus said, don't worry, I think it's about six. I counted them. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He's not just repeating himself because he doesn't have anything else to say. He's repeating himself because he wants you to get it. He says, so why worry about clothing? There's a wedding tomorrow. What's the first thing people worry about? (laughs) Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will He not much more clothe you, or ye of little faith? In other words, if your grass at your house is still growing, God knows next week when the gardener comes, He's gonna mow it, but He keeps growing it again, make it look good, and it's getting mowed. He knows that people are gonna step on it and trample on it, and the 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 dogs are gonna, you know, leave their stuff on it and stuff and so on. But He still beautifies it. Jesus is saying, if God is still concerned to that level, what makes you think that he's not going to take care of you? And then he caps it off with it. Oh, ye of little faith. Little faith in what? In God's ability to be a father for you. See, whenever you worry, you say, man, I don't don't, don't trust you as a father. Whenever you worry about stuff, that's what you're saying. I (laughs) I don't think you can do this father thing. Or ye of little faith. It's a faith issue. Faith what? Faith in what? Faith in God's ability to provide for you. Faith in God's ability to protect you. You better have faith. You better have faith in that because you can't protect yourself. Amen. You can't. Only God is able to. Man, I remember, uh, uh, you know, when we had our firstborn. Man, I would worry about uh, uh, hair so much. I would drop it off at school. Start worrying immediately. Oh man, what if she falls off the jungle gym? Oh man, what's going to happen? Oh I mean, man, man, and you know what? Worry is just—it it will just torment you. And and you know why I worried so much? I thought I was a better protector than God. And so while I'm driving home, I'm thinking, man, what if? Oh, man, man, I'd literally have an urge to just turn the car around and just go pick her up before the day is over. And I realized I'm, I'm not the one who, who I can't protect her. Eh? I'm not omnipresent. God is. And so I started to allow God to be God, and he's been protecting them forever since. Man, I, I, I ran a white flag. I said, God, man, over to you. And he does a stellar job. Amen. Oh, ye of little faith. Watch what else he says. Verse 31, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For you, your heavenly father, here we go again, knows that you need all these things. Just like you, parents, know that your children are going to need lunch today just, just the same way. God knows when the rent is due. He knows when the car payment is due. So why worry about it? Your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. Now, some of you may be sold on this story already. You know, Pastor T, you're preaching hard today, and I'm sold. I'm, I'm sold on this not worrying thing. I'm in, 100%. That's some of you. But you're thinking, okay, if I stop worrying, Pastor T, what am I going to do with my time? Jesus tells you what you should be doing with your time. Verse 33. But seek first. So instead of worrying, what should you be doing? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Just right there, that could preach. You know, most worry, the reason why people worry the most is because they're constantly thinking about tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Some of you after church today, you're going to go try and have a good time with your life group uh, mates uh, at a bride as you're hanging out and you're going to start playing music. And as you're about to dance to the music, the enemy, all he has to do to stop all of that party, all of that joy is to come to you and say to you, yeah, tomorrow is Monday. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll behave yourself. Most of you, yeah. Can I sit there? No, you were about to dance and have a good time. Yeah, Tuesday, we have a KPI review. And so what's the enemy doing? The enemy, all he has to do, this is why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Because all the enemy has to do, for some of you, is to just bring up tomorrow. And you will bankrupt today of its joy. This is why the word says, this is the day. That the, not tomorrow. This one. This one. I'm a bright. This is the one that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in this one. And so the enemy knows he can trick most of you. And some of you, he will get you to worry about, you know, 10 years, 20 years. And I'm not knocking on you because I've been there. I was a master warrior. Not warrior, warrior. Man, I could go 10 years ahead of time and start worrying pick things from 10 years. 20, 30 years, 40 years. 50 years, the destiny of this country in 100 years. Man, I could worry in a, in a three-part harmony. I could worry in soprano, in alto, and in tenor. I could worry in different octaves. It was bad. And all I learned was, every time you worry about tomorrow, you are bankrupting today of its potential, today of its joy. This is why I say this is the day, this one is the day that the Lord has made, and we will dance, we will rejoice, we will be glad in this one. While we're here, we'll be glad on this one. If the enemy comes and brings the thought, he says, hey, on Wednesday, hey, leave me alone, we'll do Wednesday when we get to Wednesday. Now if it's a good thought, if it says Wednesday it's a birthday party, yes, I can entertain that thought. But if it says Wednesday you're not going to meet your needs, I'm not going to entertain that thought. Because I know that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen? And so a lot of people entertain stress and worry because they're constantly thinking about next year. What's the next thing? Some of you are here. And you're already worried about lunch. <laughs> Some of you are worried right now about lunch. True story. And this one is for the elders, the guys in front, they're probably worried about what I'm gonna say next. <laughs> Pastor might just say something off and it <laughs> will be in trouble. But watch what he says. Let's close with this. Let's go back to verse 32. He says, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, that word seek there... Is the is the Greek word that that is epizeteo, which means to be obsessed, to be consumed with much labor and toil. This is what stress is. It is when you're obsessed, uh, uh, thinking about a matter from a negative perspective. It brings much labor and toil. It literally weighs itself on your shoulders, and, and it, it can it can mess you up. Amen. And that's what it means. He's saying that's what the Gentiles do. We shouldn't be doing that. What should we be doing? We should be seeking first the kingdom of God. That word seek there uh, for the kingdom of God is a teite, which means uh, to to desire the kingdom of God, to honor the kingdom of God, to worship with all your being the kingdom of God. Now, what happens when you uh, desire and you focus on the kingdom of God, it works like a boomerang. While you're focusing on God, he's adding all these things that you need. I've learned this in dealing with worry that whatever I focus on grows. So there are two objects to focus on. There is God and there is your problem. And so when you focus on God, he becomes big in your life. All of a sudden, God becomes this gigantic being in your life, his presence, that can literally squash your problems. But when you focus on your problems, God begins to shrink and your problems begin to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you start to look at your God and your problems it's like Yes, is this God. <laughs> this problem is too small. Not because in and of himself is small, but because you're just not focusing on him. If you focus on your problems, they start to grow and you start to magnify. You, all of a sudden, your rent becomes bigger than God. And that's why people worry. Because they're focusing on on what the problem's problem's ability to hurt them and not God's ability to take care of the problem and protect them from the problem. God is big. My God is big. It's a song they sing at the Sunday school. My God is big. What do they say? Big, strong, and mighty. There is nothing my God cannot... Old people need that song. 43% of the adults living in stress. They need to be singing that song. My God is so big, strong, and mighty. There is nothing that my God cannot do for me. Amen? And so we must seek first the kingdom of God. When problem comes, you don't look at the problem and meditate on the problem. That's going to change. You get that bank statement. Look at it. Turn it around. 200 rand. It's still 200 rand. Turn it around. Still the same. It's not going to change. Amen. But you know what? how you can fix that? You look at God. As you look to God. What did Pastor Rick McFarlane say? He says you look to God. First step, first step. What do you do? Look, look unto Jesus. What's the second step? You keep looking unto Jesus. What's the third one? You go back to step. Keep on looking. What's the fourth one? You go back to step one. And as you look to Jesus, He gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you have a big God. You have to seek first. Let's go to, and read the cousin of this of this verse. Let's go to uh, Second Chronicles, chapter number twenty-six, verse five. Second Chronicles, chapter number twenty-six, uh, verse five. Uh, this is the cousin of of uh, what we just read in Matthew six thirty three. This is blood brother actually. It says he's, he's talking about Uziah you know, and it talks about the same thing. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became uh, king of Israel, and uh, he started you know, off right. He started great. In verse 4 it says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all of his father Amaziah had done, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, or Zechariah, who had understanding in the divisions uh, sorry, the visions of God, and as long as he sought God, God made him to prosper. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And here scripture says, as long as he sought God, what happened? God caused him to prosper. As long as you fix God, it becomes God's, as long as you seek God and and fix your eyes on God, it becomes God's responsibility to make you prosper and make you a success. He never said for us to chase after the things. He said for us to seek after God and God will add the things. And so this young, you know, a leader, he started off right, 16 years of age, and he, he, he sought the Lord. That, you know, Hebrew word sought is to desire, honor, worship with all your being. He was committed to God. And watch what happens when, when he, be, he was committed to God. I mean, there was so much success. Let's read from verse 11 to 18 in the Message Bible. He says, uh, on the military side, Uzziah had a well-prepared army ready to fight. They were organized by the companies under the direction of J.E.L., the secretary, and Messiah, the field captain. You know, don't take my pronunciations. I'm just acting like I know how to pronounce these things. Uh, and Hananiah of the general staff. <laughs> Man, you've got to have confidence if you're preaching. <laughs> He says, the roster of the family leaders over the fighting men accounted for 2,600. Under them were reinforcement troops numbering 307,000, and uh, with 500 of them on constant alert, a a strong royal defense against any attack. So his business is flying. We're killing it. His career is on the rise. Man, this is kind of like, a, you know, when you, have, when you get on one of these big, big planes uh, going somewhere, uh, uh, when they take off, you, you know, you feel it, and, and you can feel that something is happening, especially if you're sitting on the middle seat, you know, when you take off, you can feel that something is happening, but once you get to cruise control, man, it, you, it feels like you're in your living room, you know, I've seen people serve coffee, tea, and man, you can forget that you're on an aeroplane, and at this high altitude, it's just cruising, I've seen people serve wine, for those people who like wine. I've seen people just serve food, and people just, they have a ball, you know, and they forget that outside, uh, the thing that's sustaining you at this altitude, there's some big engines, you know, sometimes four of them outside that are keeping it, you know, cruising at that level. But because you are so insulated in this aluminum tube, you know, sometimes you don't hear the sound and the bumps and all that stuff that's going on outside. You know, they go through clouds. You don't feel any of that. I mean, it's, it's going, we're cruising, And sometimes your life can cruise at that altitude. You see, it's easy to seek God when you're in trouble. That's why it's easy to come to Jesus when you're poor and you're struggling, because where else are you going to go? But when But but the the, the the danger is when you're cruising. That's the danger of success. To forget that there you know engines outside there's a God who is sustaining this cruise and that's why he says seek the Lord keep seeking the Lord prioritize him seek him first amen he says this uh, in where where was I you know reinforcement 500 is royal against any defense uzia hit them well armed with spears uh, shields helmets armor uh, bows and slingshots and he also installed the latest baba in military technology <laughs> <laughs> yeah? he's cruising we're cruising the lord is making him cruise technology in corners of Jerusalem for shooting arrows, hurling stones. He became well known for all of this. A famous king, everything, someone say everything. Everything seems to go his way. Verse 16. But then the strength and success went to his head. There was nothing wrong with the success but it, when, when he allowed it to find its way into his head and his heart. Arrogant and proud, he fell. One day, contemptuous of God, he walked into the temple of God like he owned it and took over, burning incense on the incense altar. The priest Azaria backed up by eight, 80. I mean, think about it. This guy had 80 people try to help him. Man, you can be so successful that you ain't trying to talk to nobody. Can we send someone to talk to you? Ah. Don't talk to me. Don't call me. 80 people tried to help him. Your friends, your family. Have you ever seen those people? I watched that. I blew it. They tried to get help. People call them to help them and say, but you know, don't you think it's a little, uh, they say, hey, leave me alone. The other lady on that show actually asked one of their relatives, they said, you, have you ever handled one million? <laughs> 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 I'm, they, you see, so success can cause you to be dumb in your hearing. Man, sad is the day when you don't listen to people around you. The Bible says there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Whenever people come to you and they're trying to help you, it's not because they're trying to get something from you. They're just trying to help you sometimes. Can I get an amen? And so you wouldn't listen to the 80, you know, brave priests of God who tried to prevent him from doing that. They confronted Uzziah. You must go. You cannot do this. Uzziah, uh, the only Aaronite... uh, priests, especially concentrate, concentrated for the work, are permitted to burn incense. Get out of God's temple! You are unfaithful and a disgrace. I know a little something about you know burning incense because I was an altar boy in my church that I grew up in, and so we would you know uh, burn incense in the Anglican church. And verse 19 says, "But Uzziah censor in his hand, so he's doing this thing." was already in the middle of doing it and angrily rebuffed the priest and he lost his temper. Angry words were exchanged and then even as they quarreled, a skin disease appeared on his forehead. It happened so fast. As soon as they saw it, the chief priest Azariah and the other priests uh, got him out of there as fast as they could. They're still trying to help him. He hurried out. He knew that God there and then had given him the disease. Uzziah had skin disease for the rest of his life and had to live in a quarantine. He was not permitted to set foot in the temple of God. His son Jotham, who managed the royal palace, took over the government of the country. Now, I'm not saying God is going to smite you with something. We are redeemed from the curse of the Lord. But what I'm saying is, when you're cruising, don't don't turn off the engines. The engine is, you're seeking God first, that's why you're cruising. Now it's easy when you're cruising to turn the suckers off. Turn them off. And what does that look like? All of a sudden, you're too busy to spend time with God. Reading his word. Oh, for sure. When you were starting the business, you had uh, devoted uh, a grace rhythm where you woke up at six, Lord, tell me what I should do with this business. You read the scripture, allowed the Holy Spirit to put a word in your heart. Now we're raking in five million a month. Mm -hmm. We're cruising. We have to wake up at 4.30, but straight after, we hit the ground running. What happened to the devotional time with the Lord? No, you don't understand, Baba. We are busy. (laughs) You don't understand. We are are busy, Baba. (laughs) We have to go to work. And I'm telling you, you got to seek God first. When you seek him first, the worry disappears. When you kick him out, the worry comes. They are mutually exclusive. They can't cohabit. One has to go for the other one to come. And so if you want him to add all these things and take care of you and bring the peace that surpasses all understanding, you've got to keep your mind fixed on Jesus. The Bible says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Why? Because he trusted in him. And I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Lord. Someone shout, I will not worry about my life, what we will eat, what we will put on, where we will live, what I will drive. For the Lord knows that, that I am in need of all these things. I will seek first His kingdom his righteousness, His way of doing things, and all these things will be added unto me. My focus is Jesus, not the stuff. Did you know that when Jesus comes back, He's going to burn all of it anywhere? It has no eternal value. Stuff has no eternal value. I'm not saying uh, He's not going to give it to you. Man, He'll give you nice things. But when He comes for a new heaven and a new earth to descend, He's going to burn all of that and start afresh. And so all your nice little things, it's going to be ash. And so why worry about it? Our focus should always be Jesus. Amen? I said amen. And this is why, you know, when you come to Faithful Church, one of the things you learn, and I'm not discouraging people from dressing up, but one of the things you, you learn very fast is we no matter how you dress, just come to church. You don't have to wear a three-piece suit and look like you're somebody. You are somebody because Jesus died for you. He's going to burn all of that anyway. Amen? When I went to this wedding, uh, this preacher wouldn't let me sit on a seat on the table because he put his Louis Vuitton bag there. And I went and I said, is there someone sitting here? He said, yeah, there is someone sitting. I said, ooh, he says they're coming and he put his Louis Vuitton bag. wouldn't let me sit. I had to go sit somewhere in the corner with Pastor H and Brother. We had to go find somewhere to sit. Well, let me sit. He's valuing a Louis Vuitton bag back, Jesus gonna burn. You better come soon so he can burn all of you. <laughs> burn, <laughs> burn. <laughs> <laughs> Start with that one. Just. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't 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 concern yourself with stuff. Concern yourself with the kingdom. And the staff will come. Amen. In fact, for some of you, it's better that is keeping you where you are because if the staff came, you wouldn't greet us. You will be second-grade citizens in your lives. You will walk like you own the presence of God, just like Hosea. You, 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 would get to your head, and so sometimes it's good. It's a good thing that you're struggling financially. Sometimes it's a good thing because it will keep you in a place of seeking God until you mature to a place where it's God and He is everything. That's what he's saying. This king started out right. He took off on the runway of life and the engines were running, took off, reached the cruising altitude. I mean, this bad boy was flying and he forgot that there were engines outside. Don't ever forget that. There are engines outside running your life. And this is how you uh, 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 get worry out of it. This is your antidote for worry. You don't need pills. You need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for you have a solution for us. For this crazy, crazy world that is before us. Lord, we thank you that for us, your children, there is a solution. And that solution is to seek first the kingdom of God. That solution is to know that we have a father who is our nourisher, who is our protector, who is our provider. Not just for us, but even for our children as they go into the world. Some of you, your children, are going to go to different cities for universities. They're going to go to different countries to start new jobs. Man, do not worry. Do not entertain worry about, uh, uh, you are not the protector. You are not the protector. God is. Turn them over to the Lord. How do you do that? You pray for them and ask your Heavenly Father to do what he only can do. Father, we thank you that your faithfulness is even demonstrated in the way you feed the birds. Lord, I thank you, Father, that may this be a sign for every single one of us in this building that as long as the birds are fed, the birds are eating, Lord, we will know in our hearts that you will take care of us because we are more valuable than they. Lord, we thank you for this revelation, this truth that our Lord and Savior Jesus shared with us that worry does not aid Solutions. Worry does not bring solutions. And therefore, it is futile to worry. And today, we quit on worry. Today, we tend our resignation on worry. Our minds shall not entertain thoughts of worry. But our minds shall be a habitation of your peace. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, we thank you that from today onwards these, your precious children will enjoy life. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we thank you that these, your precious children will have peaceful sleep, even as you say it in your word in Psalms 127, that to the beloved you have given them sleep. Lord, I thank you, Father, that there won't be any restlessness. We rebuke the spirit of restlessness in the night seasons. We rebuke sleeplessness right now, in the name of Jesus. Is someone under the sound of my voice, I mean, this worry has latched on you so much that it wakes you up even in the middle of the night, 1, 2 a.m., and you fail to go back to sleep, insomnia. Man, we rebuke that spirit right now, in the name of Jesus. Go and never to come back. Thank you, Lord, for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Father. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone shout, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I will not worry about a thing. I love you. God bless you. See you next week. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.